She single-handedly changed what happened in the American Library Association. No longer would librarians keep kids from inappropriate material. Now, they would give them the inappropriate material, leave it up to the parents to stop the kids from getting it, and mislead the parents as to what was in that material. Hello, and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. Today, I'm speaking with Dan Kleiman, who's been a library watchdog for almost 20 years. And you can check his website out at safelibraries.blogspot.com. I've been interested in his work because he's someone who has been fighting for the safety of children and women who work in libraries. Please stay tuned for a very interesting episode about how the American Library Association advocates for pornography. So thanks so much for talking to me about um, libraries. You've done extensive work on the American Library Association. I had no idea the level of corruption within the American Library Association. Why do you care about safety in libraries? Uh, I like to treat other people the way I'd like them to treat me. Mm -hmm. So when my kid went to kindergarten and was given a completely inappropriate book with inappropriate sexual content for a kid, mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was wrong. And I brought it to my principal's attention. I said, you know, there's something wrong with this book. And she said, well, let me review it. It took four days. And then after four days, she said, this book is totally inappropriate for kindergartners, and I'm removing it from the school. And I said, well, why did you give it to my kid? And she said, because it's on the list of approved books from the American Library Association, and our librarian is a member of that association and was using one of their lists. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I wanted I treat other people the way I'd like them to treat me. So my kid was sexualized in, in uh, kindergarten. I don't want that happening to uh, other people. So I tried to do something about that. Hmm. And I've been trying ever since. It's been about 20 years now. Is that right? Yeah, it's about right. Um, in some of your other interviews, you were talking about a woman named Judith Krug. Who is that? Or am I saying her name correctly? I don't know. It could be Krug. It could be Krug. Mm -hmm. K-R-U-G. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the uh, Judith uh, Krug story. Mm. Here's a lady who is in the, on the board of directors of the Illinois, I'm sorry, the Chicago ACLU. She's on the board of directors for three years. Then she, do, then she joins the American Library Association. She single-handedly changed what happened in the American Library Association. No longer would librarians keep kids from inappropriate material. Now, they would give them the inappropriate material, leave it up to the parents to stop the kids from getting it, and mislead the parents as to what was in that material to maximize the chances of the kid getting as much sexual and inappropriate material as possible. This was her influence. She created the Office for Intellectual Freedom, mm. the Freedom to Read Foundation, and later on Banned Books Week. Each one of those is designed to ensure the maximum amount of sexually inappropriate material gets into the hands of children. That's its original creation. She did it. 
if you didn't go with the way things were, you were kind of like ostracized as a librarian to the point where librarians are afraid of the Office for Intellectual Freedom to this day. How Orwellian. <laughs> sounds like the opposite of intellectual freedom. Um, well, you're, mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, that's where we're at these days, it seems. Why is uh, Banned Books Week propaganda, speaking of one of their campaigns? Well, the, the banned book, well, first of all, it started in 1982, and the last uh, book banned in the United States was in uh, 1967, I believe. Uh, that's over half a century ago. Yet they stated that they started this thing called the whatever banned books week. There are no more banned books. Uh, there might be a few. I think uh, Obama banned uh, the military from reading books about uh, about jihadists uh, or something like that. Hmm. Uh, might be another book that was banned uh, that might have been related to uh, Irving Schiff's view on not having to pay your taxes. Hmm. But other than that, there was a, uh, there's really no, nothing banned anymore. You can get all these books anywhere you want, uh, but it just had a catchy name, I guess, and they use it to scare people. And so Banned Books League is a hoax, but not only because of the name, but because of what they choose to ban. They choose, I mean, sorry, what they choose to write about. Right. They write about books that are banned, that are written by conservative authors, such as Rahim Kassam, who wrote... Um, uh, no-go zones. Uh, no-go zones was about the no-go zone where the Islamists live and you would get killed in there if you went in there. Okay, that's what the book was about. Mm -hmm. Well, the librarians all laughed about that and said, that doesn't exist. And we're, so we're not going to put his book in our library. Well, now that library just, just censored that book because it's a government library, right? She just censored that book, but they, they got a cute name for it. It's called Selection. So when a librarian censors a book, it's called selection. Mm -hmm. but, but there's even a deeper reason why banned books is a fake is a fake hoax, because they know it's a fake hoax and they set it up that way. And how do I know that? Because I caught an author admitting that the American Library Association, Office for Intellectual Freedom, admitted to her that they faked the list. Listen, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, try to quick, quickly how did that happen. So... One year, um, there was a book in New Jersey that was uh, in uh, Mount Holly, New Jersey, that was completely inappropriate for children. It had something to do with a kids rubbing uh, their penises on um, uh, on soap dispensers, things that hold your soap. So it has a lot of like little pili or villi that stick up until the blood was coming out of his penis. Mm. I know it sounds crazy. This is what the this was in the book in a school. Wow. A school that book, um, the, 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 the school librarian, the media specialist, she gets paid a lot of money to be a media specialist, she decided that she can't read such books uh, because they might be inappropriate for her. So she actually gave them to the students to read in this high school and then review for her. What? And what was about a menage a trois, and she, she pulled the book, she didn't use it. But this particular book was actually removed by the school board because it was completely inappropriate. Well, the teacher, of course, got all upset and went to the American Library Association, just skipping over everybody in the school as usual. It was right to the American Library Association, who immediately gets everybody up in arms and there's a big issue over it. 
Well, eventually the, the, the book is removed from there and from the town library. That when the Banned Books Week list comes out, uh, it's listed as number nine on the list. And uh, I thought to myself, well, that's weird. It's only been banned once. You know, it's not even the word banned. It's only been removed because schools have the right to do this mm-hmm. once. So how did it even get on the list? So yeah, the author. Political the author, motivations. The author went to speak at the uh, uh, at, at a New Jersey Library Association conference, which I attended. And I recorded her speech. And at the end of the speech, she asked, she was asked to, for, you know, asking for questions. And I asked the last question because I'm, I'm really the shyest, nicest guy. So I asked her a softball question. I asked her, what does it feel like to, to have your book listed on the top 10 most banned books week? I mean, it's even published in the New York Times. It goes around the world. How does that feel? And I mean, that's a softball question, right? Here's what her answer was. And I have this in, you know, in a recording. Anybody can hear this. Her answer was, oh, my God, I was so thrilled. Isn't that exciting? I, I was so thrilled I called up the Office for Intellectual Freedom. And I said, how did my book get on the list? And you know what they told me? They told me that there were other books that were challenged more than my book. But because my book dealt with the issue of homosexuality, they just decided to put it on the list. Hmm. Um, that's fascinating. Um, how does the American Library Association purposefully mislead local libraries concerning policies surrounding pornography? Oh, they do it in a number of ways. Uh, you have, for example, Judith Krug, who's telling local librarians that, I'm not making this up now, child pornography can only be determined by a judge or a lawyer, not a librarian. So if a librarian sees child pornography, she actually doesn't and needs to just ignore it. There's an example of the guidance that they give to libraries. And when I, there was a written policy on this on the ALA's website. And when I called this out and a few other authors, um, the American Library Association deleted the document off the website and put up an older version, but they still teach the same thing. And they also attacked me. So they, 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 they didn't say, oh, we made a mistake or anything. They're just continuing to hide it. Right. You've been sued twice by them. Is that correct? Yeah. I've been, well, no, I haven't been sued. Or by they tried the, to, I guess. But I have been sued by someone egged on by the ALA and, I needed evidence from the ALA, and the evidence was hidden and was never provided of what the ALA does to harm the the homosexual community and to uh, advise people um, how to uh, basically lie, cheat, steal, destroy public records against the law and and push inappropriate things on people against the law. They they hit all these records. Um, But so this person sued me, and this Mm. person lost twice. I see. Uh, uh, for defamation. Mind you, the American Library Association trains people uh, that they should sue people like you and me for defamation because it will use up to half a million of our dollars and take away all of our time from going after libraries. So this was their intention. They trained people on this 
the trainer that they used actually did actually sue me for defamation and lost twice. The one thing that they wanted me to delete was the story that I've written on gay hate at your library. Because the American Library Association itself is homophobic and is involved with homophobia and increasing the harm done to, uh, to uh, gay uh, populations. Yeah, they didn't I, want me to mm, write that. I agree because they seem to be in lockstep with um, a term called gender identity, uh, which if you've looked into this term, uh, is a total, first of all, it's a nebulous term. You can't really define it at all. Um, it's pretty meaningless. It's basically, I feel such and such, therefore I'm such and such. It's a basically faith-based kind of idea. Um, and we find out that most children who um, are gender non-conforming, who have been, had this sort of ideology push on them, they end up being gay. So that whole ideology is homophobic in itself, and it's very interesting that the American Library Association pushes terminology like gender identity. I'm not. Uh, what were some of the things that you came across that you felt were homophobic? Well, uh, for one thing, when the American Library Association had a training session on how to deal with people like us, uh, by coincidence, one of two people who found child pornography in a library in a Chicago suburb where the ALA is based, one of those two people uh, is gay. Mm -hmm. And because he was gay, they decided that one of the ways they would attack him, because whenever you uncover child pornography, they always attack you personally. That's how they work. And so he was gay. So they attacked him for being gay. They even had a trainer training other librarians who one of them admitted that they were sick of this, uh, stating, why would uh, a woman, because the other person was a woman with small children, let her small children around a gay man? Well, can you imagine going to a training nowadays, anywhere, and somebody says, hey, why would a woman let her small children around a gay man? Right? Yeah, That's it's really interesting considering that they pushed the drag queen story hour and what I, I find Drag Queen Story Hour to be very interesting because if you wanted to uh, make homosexuality acceptable, you'd have like a gay lawyer or a gay firefighter, you know, someone who has a career that I, I think is more respectable. I'm not saying that drag queens are not respectable, you know, they do themselves, whatever they want to do. I don't care, that's adult entertainment. By the time you're adult and you want to pay a drag queen to impersonate women, that's fine. Like, I don't really care. But, yeah, I don't think it should be push on children. So it's interesting that they would have a position sort of, it sounds like privately, whereas publicly, you know, they're pushing this drag queen story hour on, on children. Let me tell you a little bit more about that homophobia incident. Hmm. After the American Library Association already knew that this trainer was teaching this homophobia, they rehired her. Can you imagine rehiring somebody comes and says something homophobic at a training, you hire this trainer, says something homophobic, and you rehire the person? It's unbelievable. Not that, even in this what? day and age, not really. <laughs> I can't even really wrap right. my mind around that. That person quit after she was exposed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that... that the, the person who was going to do the training, she quit. So the, so uh, that was that. But the ALA did even something even worse. When it was found out that this happened and FOIA requests were sent out, the American Library Association 
over the using the email of somebody's personal email address, and she's now the leader of the Office for Intellectual Freedom. She used her personal email to send to all the libraries to tell them to destroy the evidence of any notes or recordings that anybody made of this training because people are looking for it in FOIA requests. Wild. She's hiding her homophobia. Mm -hmm. This is the American Library Association. And let me add, add this banned book thing when they, when they claim that there was homophobia in every book that's been banned. Here's another way they're homophobic. When you fake homophobia and fake discrimination, that results in increased discrimination mm -hmm. because everybody thinks everybody's doing it. Why not? I'll just do it too. Right. So, so it re results in increased discrimination and increased suicides of gay people. The American Library Association fakes the numbers just to get the gay community wild up so that they'll get the message out. Well, guess what? After I exposed this back in 2010, for the first time, for two years in a row, zero gay books appeared on that list. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you have a lot of, uh, you have their attention anyway. Um, oh, <laughs> I guess that's what a 20-year battle will kind of do. Um in another interview, you said it was possible that the American Library Association is connected to George Soros in some way. Uh, do you think, do you still think that or? Yeah, that's 100% certain. If you look at the 990s, these are tax forms, 990s from the Open Society for a certain number of years, three years in a row, they escape my attention right now as to which years, you'll see that they gave money to the American Library Association amounts to about a million and a half dollars or something, maybe more. You'll see them, you'll see the American Library Association, not in the 990s, but in some other uh, videos and recordings that they made, bragging about all of the money that they got from Soros and how there are more libraries than there are McDonald's in the United States, and they're going to use libraries to train children on how to uh, be discriminatory about news and, and how to, like, for example, decide that Fox News should not be watched. I mean, they're training this stuff to kids, mm. right? They're getting this money from George Soros. They're bragging about it. And they're doing it. You know, this is what they do. They are definitely connected to George Soros. They get funding from other sources as well, like Playboy and, and right. things like that. So meanwhile, you know, they're taking all this money from George Soros. They seem to be tied to the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union. Um, oh, yes. Why, why do you think the American Library Association wants to expose children to pornography? The, uh, well, I don't have a reason. I don't know. I'm not mm -hmm. an expert on why people generally so, uh, sexualize children. Mm -hmm. I, I I've heard stories of, you know, some kind of something entered in the federal record in 1953 about the goals of communists to subvert America and take it over or whatever. But I'm not an expert in that area. Mm. I do know that Judith Krug started all this, and she came from the ACLU. Right. She comes from the ACLU. Do you know anything else about her background? If did she study with anyone in particular? I'm just always curious about how these people sort of come to their um, careers. And, and it seems like, wow, she was only there for three years at the ACLU, did you say? And then all of a sudden, she's the head of the 
American Library Association? Where she essentially led it for about four decades until she died. And then they haven't been able to get anybody who's replaced, who's as good as she is at, uh, at this bull that they pull over people. But they just keep her stuff in place, kind of, and it just keeps rolling along. Uh, I don't know enough about her background. I never investigated her or, mm -hmm. or, or I, I don't kind of do that. You know, my, the American Library Association policies and how they harm and mislead communities is my goal, not necessarily personalities. I'll right. leave it up to the Library Association to smear me, but I don't do the same thing to them. I understand. So yeah. what are some of the agendas that they're pushing, do you think? And why are they so actively trying to shut you up? Uh, well, because I'm, I'm somebody who, you know, tells it like it is, who finds this stuff. Like I'm the guy who went to that New Jersey Library Association and recorded that author admitting that the American Library Association fakes the numbers on their banned books list. So that's the reason why that I published it. That is the reason why they want me to be quiet. Because how can you get your agenda across if somebody's going out there saying, no, stop, look, it's fake. Don't listen to them, right? So they don't want that. So they attack me. That's just what they do. Did I answer your question? Um, I mean, you, you did as far as why they're probably trying to, to make you go away. Um, I mean, I'm not even really sure what these people, why they're pushing these agendas. I just see the harm that it's doing um, right. to both children and um, I think homosexuals as well concerning yeah. their, their uh, propaganda on gender identity, which is another form of indoctrination that they do with right. Drag Queen Story Hour. And there's a lot of safety issues involved in Drag Queen Story Hour. As, right. as you know, many of these um, men have, have also been found out to be sexual predators. And, yep. and, and we know that, that sexual predators will often put themselves in positions where well, they'll, they'll be near children. It's a long game. They are very um, sick that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just not really sure what their motives are, and I wanted to know uh, if you right. thought. Let me, think, mm. let me guess then about uh, some of those motives. You know, the American Library Association used to be a terrific organization, and to some extent it might still be in mm. certain areas. But... Um, uh, but the but just like everything else in society has now becoming subverted mm. by these leftist Marxists, well, it's happening in the American Library Association as well. Mm -hmm. uh, let me give you an example. When President Trump was elected president, the the uh, president of the American Library Association wrote a letter to him uh, that was you know kind of dry, but basically said. Okay, Trump, now that you're president, the American Library Stand Association stands by to help you in anything you need. Okay, so that's good. Good practice. That lady, that, that president of the, of the ALA was roundly attacked by social justice warrior librarians. Mm -hmm. I mean, vicious. It was vicious. They even attacked the Office for Intellectual Freedom on a bunch of art. You know how these, these leftists are. They're just absolutely vicious. Well, those kind of people are in the American Library Association as well. They actually forced that president to literally write to the president and say, I'm rescinding my previous offer and we're not going to help you. We're part of the resistance or something like that. 
Okay. Wow, so it's amazing how such a vocal minority can ultimately control things. Well, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, how, other than Judith uh, Krug's connection, how is the American Civil Liberties Union tied into all of this? Uh, the American Civil Liberties Union is simpatico with the ALA on many, many things. And, for example, Judith Krug knew this. So whenever the American Library Association, uh, sorry, whenever ACLU, for example, decided they wanted to sue for this, that, or the other thing and worked with the ALA, the Judith Krug said, you know, that the name ACLU carries baggage. So everybody loves librarians. Mm. You know, we have some goodwill. We'll sue on, we'll be the, the, the prominent name. So, for example, the, the, the lawsuit, United States versus American Library Association, got that name because they chose to use ALA as the lead organization. And that was the case that the ACLU and the ALA and a few other places like Multnomah County Library worked together to ensure children would have access to pornography unfiltered in the library. They lost. And so to this day, libraries that accept federal funding under the SEPA laws, Children's Protection Act, must be filtering. Right. Um, but that's an example of how they work together knowingly to accomplish ACLU or their their goals. Yeah, I remember the, the American Civil Liberties Union uh, had quite a row with uh, second wave feminists when second wave feminists were trying to create protections against pornography. They deemed pornography as free speech, and that was the end of that. So, I mean, I have some issues with the ACLU myself. Uh, well, go ahead. The, Amer the American Library Association has a journal, something called the Journal of Intellectual Freedom or something like that. But they just came out with a story about people like me and other people who oppose the sexualization of children are, and I'm quoting now, anti-sex. And right. the author wrote this is a former librarian for the Kinsey Institute, uh, you know, the government sex with the children. And they're the worst. They're and, the and, sexologists, and, you can never trust them. And he's now a writer for Pornhub. Oh, geez. So these are the people writing for the American Library Association that people trying to protect children from inappropriate things like drag queens or reading inappropriate books are anti-sex. It's crazy. Yeah, shut up, you prude. Um, <laughs> oh, well, if I cared about what people thought of me, I, I probably wouldn't be doing any sort of podcast like this, but I stopped caring a long time ago. Um, you were you were mentioning uh, uh, filters, software that libraries were using to to block pornography, yeah. and there was an argument from someone that they they didn't work supposedly. Yeah. And why do you think the American Library Association excuses the use of pornography in libraries, and even seems to encourage it? And obviously, well, I, these filters work. Yeah, I think that relates back to the ACLU infiltration of the organization. Mm. But, but it also uh, relates to the fact that the the person who um, like uh, that the ACLA uses as their filtering expert, who actually lied about a man being a sex predator and and really helped to destroy his job, 
and never apologize like the other people who lied about it. This liar is a person who says filters don't work because mm. she's lying, all right? But I'm going to tell you who says filters do work. It's Carla Hayden, the former ALA president of ALA and the current librarian of Congress. When she appeared in for hearing in front of the Congress to decide, you know, whether they want her as the librarian of Congress during Obama, she said pornography should never be allowed in a library and filters nowadays work really well to filter it out. Mm -hmm. So my authority is the librarian of, of Congress. The ALA's authority is some liar who got some guy's career destroyed by lying about his being a sexual predator, which is defamation per se. People should stop thinking librarians fluffy angels like pink bunnies that would never hurt a fly. They're actually extremely deviant to try to get and push whatever they want. Not all of them, maybe not even most of them, but enough of them. Here's an example. When Illinois was trying to pass a filtering law, and in fact it had already passed in the Senate and in the other house, and it was up for the signature of the governor, I believe, the, uh, the head of the library association there, uh, Robert, uh, whatever is the Doyle, I believe, who's now some big wig somewhere else, um, he, he made it so that librarians statewide would intentionally turn up all the filters to their highest settings to make it impossible to get anywhere. And then, and then to put out little um, sheets of paper next to the computers where you could complain about how awful the services were. Wow. So, so they... They took these public property, they, they used it for their own purposes to turn up the filter so they wouldn't work, people complained, and then the, the filtering uh, legislation got shut down. That's how tricky these people are. They, they literally fake things, and that's another fake that they do. That's insane. And it's actually not just contained to places like the ALA. You know, there's so many organizations like this, and people just have no idea the level of corruption within these organizations. Um, Absolutely. From, a, again, I think probably a, a fair minority of people. I think most people, if you ask them, hey, do you think it's cool to have children exposed to pornography in libraries, they probably say no, right? And so that's why they have to do it in secret, sort of shady like that. Um, right. So that they can get away with it. Uh, can you tell me about your suit about the Open Public Meetings Act? Yes. Um, what happened was I, uh, uh, I was contacted by a mother whose 11-year-old child saw pornography uh, in the public library in, the, I believe, the children's section. Um, and uh, so I went to the... Uh, to the, uh, the public library. This is in Westfield, New Jersey. I went to this public library meetings. And at first, I just didn't say much. I just sat there to kind of get the lay of the land. I found out that uh, they basically passed this policy of, uh, of uh, oh, oh, in response to this lady's kids seeing pornography, they, they, they jumped into action and they passed a policy that made it so that half of the computers in the children's section would be filtered and half would not. And they passed a policy that says, you're responsible for your own kid viewing pornography. Pornography will be 
may be viewed anywhere in the library. It's your intellectual right. You can do all this stuff. So this was now their policy. But they never did this policy in an open public meeting. They just did it in a little, like, private meeting. Mm -hmm. And then they came out and they said, this is the policy. Do we all agree? Yes, 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 yes. Done. It was all done like that. Behind the scenes, basically. Mm -hmm. That violates the open public meeting law. So I sued uh, that. Well, actually, first I went to the prosecutor. And the prosecutor uh, ended up um, finding in favor of the library, but only because the prosecutor uh, screwed over the public as well, too. Because I told the prosecutor that, I, that there was a recording of their executive meeting where they discussed this, and the prosecutor didn't ever listen to that recording of the executive meeting and then said he found nothing wrong. And I said, I told you there was a recording. Oh, well, we didn't find it, and it's too late, the case is over. Well, that's, that's bull, right? This is the county prosecutor. So I went to the court, and I sued. Now, I lost in court because I assumed that, like the Bible says, justice, justice shall thou do. I assumed that a court would be interested in justice. Well, it wasn't. It was interested in procedure. Mm. And because I had a mother... Uh, uh, sign an I'm sorry, because I had an affidavit from the mother, but didn't have her sign it. The mother, who's 11 year old kid, saw the porn in the library. The judge said, I didn't read it because you didn't have her sign it. Case closed. Bye bye. Wow. And I argued the case myself because I don't have the money to hire an attorney for me, whereas the other side has unlimited taxpayer funding. Right. This is the issue we come up against often with, with whether it be pornography or drag queen story hour in libraries or boys competing against girls in sports. Often the money side wins. Can you tell us about the librarian that opposed drag queen story hour? There are a number of librarians who oppose drag queen story hour, but right. they don't get any of the media like Library Journal or American Libraries, which is an ALA organization. Uh, publication, so they don't publish those people. But there are a number of librarians who just can't stand uh, sexualizing kids. But you know what? They don't want to lose their jobs, so they kind of do what uh, you know. They kind of go with the flow, so to speak. Um, I don't have any specific cases right now. I do have one that I said that I would publish something about, but I haven't gotten around to it yet because I'm uh, lazy. So, so where she's. I should publish it soon. So she specifically wrote to me saying, you know, let people know this. I haven't done it yet because I'm lazy. But uh, she's not the only one. A number of people come to me. Some whisper to me. Some send me single messages and say, this is from a fake account. Or you'll never hear from me again. Mm. And then they describe all sorts of terrible things that the American Library Association is doing and forcing them to do. But there's even law cases where um, if you are, for example, a librarian complaining about being sexually harassed, by patrons viewing pornography, which the American Library Association says never happens or is dubious, mm. uh, then then you can, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. There have been law cases where you can look this up and see this. It's not just me saying it. You can actually, on one of my websites, uh, librarians.cc, uh, you could actually see a librarian saying this. She came back after eight years to finally say, she had to quit the job. She couldn't stand being sexually harassed by guys viewing porn and the manager telling her, too bad. It's just what it is here in a library, right? Free speech. 
uh, which it's not, but that's what they say. And so she quit her job. So that's, you know, called constructive uh, interference. Uh, but um, she was so afraid. She didn't say anything for eight years. I mean, this is how bad this stuff is. Yeah. Why do you think the rights of children and women are often an afterthought? <laughs> I, all I know is that this whole policy garbage that comes from the American Library Association comes from the ACLU. That's who started it all. Hmm. I don't know why they do this. I suspect it's related to something that I'm not an expert in, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, that's all I know. Right. You're more of an expert in the policies that they're using to normalize these things. Um, what are some ways people can fight back? Well, the biggest way is they need to become aware of this in the first place. Right. They, they need to uh, not put up their, their mental defenses that says, I don't want to listen. Librarians are perfect. They would never hurt my kid. You know, that's what happens. But now that librarians are targeting your kid as, as uh, you know, a number of uh, people have written besides myself, like Joy Pullman in The Federalist, mm -hmm. who wrote about how the librarians are being trained to, um, uh, you know, to, to push drag queen story hour on children, even if their parents don't want it or their communities don't want it, you're going to do it anyway. And your kids are going to get it. You know, that's yeah, and that's anyone that. who speaks out against these things now is just publicly shamed. You know, you're not, uh, you're doing wrong things, so you're not allowed to criticize things, even if right. they're pretty obviously bad for children. That's right. Um, but, I mean, I have hope. I don't know. I, I'll say for myself, I, I would never have called myself a leftist or, or someone on the right either. Um, I always sort of looked at it. Everything was sort of absurd and corrupt anyway. What am I going to do? Um, but I think the, far, the older I get and, and the more I find out about the corruption and, and these small sort of vocal minorities controlling everything, the more I feel compelled to speak out about it. And so that's why I wanted to talk to you, because you're one of the only people I found that um, knows that much about library policy, right, and is also speaking out against um, these policies. Well, you ought to get a book by uh, Megan Fox. Uh, Megan Fox literally wrote the book on her experience with that Chicago library that had the child porn and what the libraries did to her, including attacking her personally like somebody who keyed her car in her driveway wow i mean they would do anything to go after this person yeah and call the police on her didn't matter actually we have tapes of her of them admitting how they're gonna set up these people to get arrested um it's a long story it has to do with foia requests you know freedom of information act mm -hmm. we have tapes of, of librarians admitting well we're just trying to set up a record you know she didn't really do it but we're trying to set up a record you know, things like that. So these people are all colluding to go after her. So she wrote a book on this um, called, um, it's by Megan Fox. Uh, you can find her at Megan Fox Writer, mm -hmm. W-R-I-T-E-R, Megan Fox, M-E-G-A-N-F-O-X. Okay, uh, and uh, she has a book on this. And so she is very well versed in, in, in this area as well, because for about four and a half years, she was the victim of these people just because she decided to expose the child pornography that this library finally admitted that it had. Wow. Um, I'm just left speechless. Uh, I, I can't 
and they, you know, they, they attack people on so many levels, personally, yep. financially, um, on, on any sort of wrong thing. So, you know, you say like men can't be women. That's something you yep. know, you're going to get attacked for. You say pornography shouldn't be in libraries. You're going to get attacked. So we just sort of live in this upside down world by design. Yeah. And that part of me doing this is trying to put the pieces together. I doubt I ever will, but it is also really um, illuminating to talk to someone like yourself who's had so much experience with this. Listen, it's not just that the library was hiding poor child pornography. It's the whole effort that goes into it. It's the American Library Association made multiple visits there to say that they were doing the right thing. It's that the, the lawyers for the libraries, the lawyers wrote a legal opinion that says if you see somebody viewing child pornography, you're to ignore it because you don't know if it's child pornography. And if you do anything, you might be violating his privacy rights. Right. Okay? It's the, so his rights the, come first, always. It's the lot. It's the media. It's the town was uh, was against her for a while until they finally saw what was going on. It was it was the media. Media will call up and she'll never get any kind of positive coverage, and they won't even talk about the child pornography. Even when you show them the evidence and the police reports, even when you give them the admissions of the library, they never publish it. You literally have everybody against you: the media, the legal people, the library, the town. Everybody, this is what you have to face and accept and expect and get ready. And this is what you have to go against. And don't let them scare you out of it. Uh, yeah. is, <laughs> is there anything? <laughs> no, really. I, I think this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, Thank you. So is there anything else you want to add while we're here about uh, safety in libraries? What, what someone, if they're listening... Uh, what they can do personally, if anything, you know, if there's a policy that their library is, is okay. you know, um, going by that, you know, they don't agree with, how would they take recourse? Uh, the first thing to do is learn about things. So, like, remember mm -hmm. I said I went to those meetings and I just went to a few of them to just get the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. You got to learn about things first. Right. And then work within the policy that they have. If mm -hmm. you have American Library Association involved in any of their policies, that's a sure sign that there's a problem right there. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so, so you need to become aware of this and you need to learn and you need to get some information. You could even contact me. You could read Megan Fox's terrific book to, mm -hmm. you know, to get something under your belt. And then don't take no for an answer. These librarians now, they have different goals than they used to. Now, they're anti-Semitic, they're anti-homosexual, they're, um, uh, they're, they're anti-American, they hate for America. They're teaching school librarians how to push this on kids nowadays. People should need to stop assuming librarians are your friends. They're not. The vocal ones are not. Mm -hmm. Quiet ones are. But the Maybe. <laughs> we don't know about them because they haven't said anything. Exactly. So, and, you know, their silence is sort of a little damning, too, you know, in a way. If they right. know that all of this stuff is going on and they don't do anything about it, you know, their silence is also damning, I think. 